Testing, testing, <laughs> testing, 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 testing. Okay, is it, is it picked up my voice yet? Testing. Okay, we're back. Take 21, folks. Take 21, episode one. I've been here for far too long. The amount of times I've had to refilm this is ridiculous. Um, I've literally just been going on, on repeat here, uh, different technical problems, but also just me being a twat. Um, but I finally got it to work. We're recording on an Apple, uh, fuck's sake, what's it called? An iPhone. It's an iPhone 11, goddammit. iPhone 11 Pro, um, some dumb stuff like that, you know, it's just ridiculous. I swear in like 2018 or 2017, whenever it was, when we had that really big podcast boom, everyone on there, Nan, was just like, oh yeah, I'm starting a podcast and like, you know, speaking all their shit and their thoughts all over the internet like people fucking care. And uh, here I am, a hypocrite, doing the same, putting my thoughts out into the abyss, into the internet, onto the permanent record. But uh, yeah, I'm starting a podcast for, for a few reasons. One of them, I'm pretty sick of listening to myself and thought other people should put up with me too. You know, I, I annoy enough family and friends, so I'm basically just turning from like a, a micro annoyer to like a, a mass, a mass annoyer. So, you know, it feels good. It feels good to up my career. Um, but, you know, I've been reading all this dumb, uh, like self-help development shit every week, uh, probably for the last year, I'd say. And, you know, you make all these promises to yourself. You have this fake feeling of progress. Um, and then you realize one, one day that you're just, you're just a bullshitter. You're just getting nowhere. So like, um, you know, the good thing about the podcast is I, every week I have to, I have to create something. I have to talk to you guys. I have to put up my promises. So if I say something this week, I should probably, should probably do it the next week. So, um, and if I don't, I got to tell you guys that I didn't do it. So hopefully that's going to keep me on, on, on track. Um, I also realize I can make money out of my mental illness and I can't afford a therapist. So that's another, another good business decision. So if I get suicidal, uh, you know what to do. But uh, whiskey, is, it a is that a question or is that an answer? I don't know, but it, I suppose it's an answer today. It's like three o'clock, Saturday, drinking whiskey. I suppose it is, it is 9-11, which is, uh, yeah, it's quite a day to start a podcast. I went on to Twitter actually um, earlier today and this pop-up came up and it was like, congratulations, you've been on Twitter for three years. Would you like to post a tweet and celebrate with your friends? And I have this dumb little graphic, this fucking little cake and like a big free and um, hashtag Twitter anniversary. And I thought about tweeting it, but then I realized that it's also the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and thought that's probably a bit insensitive. So I, I decided not to. But it's funny, I, I have a habit, it seems, of creating new business ventures and content on anniversaries of terrible dates. So three years ago, you got me on Twitter, 9-11. 9-11 this year, I'm starting a podcast. Uh, but um, yeah, I got some whiskey, got some Johnny Walker, double black. Um, it's also the free Catalonia day or something like that in, Bar in Barcelona. So I live in, I live in Spain, controversy. No, I, I, I okay, it's, you know, it's this whole freedom movement for, for Catalonia. I don't want to associate with Spain. So I, I came back last night. Um, where, where did I came back from? I can't remember what I was doing. I remember I went out for some drinks. But I came back and I was making some calls, chilling and shit, watching some Netflix. Go outside uh, on, onto my terrace, look down, and I tell you, everyone has got fucking torches, pitchforks. Um, they got all these guys going around in these like Civil War fucking uniforms. 
but yeah, I want to give a shout out to my mum, uh, which is pretty funny. Hi, mum. Thanks for listening. Um, I have a feeling she will be listening, uh, which is which is funny. I made a website uh, recently. Check it out, louisstringer.com. Made a website. Been meaning to make a website for ages, um, and I finally got around to doing it. Finally, after many years of putting it off, um, and it was actually pretty pretty fun. I made it on Wix.com. Sponsored, not really. Um, I wish I could be sponsored by Wix.com. They seem to seem to pay some decent money. But I, before I use WordPress and some stuff like that, so which was just a nightmare. So it's nice to use something that actually works. Um, so that was quite interesting. And I created this new mail service so you can write me emails and you can bug me. And one of my first mails uh, emails that I got was actually from my mum, uh, which is very sweet. So she's a big fan of mine, so I appreciate it. Um, and the funny thing is what was going on with the, the Catal Catalans and the Catalonia actually reminded me of her because she's from Cornwall, which is this little fucking place at the bottom of uh, the UK. Um, as far as she's concerned, it's a country, which is very, very sweet. Um, so she believes in free Cornwall. So if there's going to be a free Catalonia, I also want to add, we should have a free Cornwall. Shout out to my mum. It's funny when you make a podcast, you end up... Oh, oh my phone's glitching. Uh, you end up in a state where just like only your family and friends listen at first, which is which is nice. I'm probably going to be doing shout outs to, to various people that I know are listening uh, throughout the course of this before we, we get some other people. Probably going to post on my Twitter, so you might be watching from, li watching, listening from Twitter as well. Um, and the format which I'm going to be doing this podcast, at least at the start, is just going to be me talking to myself, uh, which is a little bit lonely. I'll probably get someone on at some point, but we'll just see what happens. Um, and I basically got some notes here. So I've just got notes from my diary and I'm basically organizing my diary and my random thoughts that I get for every week into a rough script and cohesive structure that I'm going to rant to you about, uh, which is quite interesting. I thought it might be a good format. The embarrassing thing is it means, at least in the short run, that my friends and family are going to hear nothing but my diary and most inner thoughts, which is a bit embarrassing. So, you, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. And then in the long run, I just become a huge public embarrassment in front of hundreds of people. So, um, yeah, this podcast thing seems a pretty good idea. Um, let me have some more whiskey. Might go to the beach tomorrow. Um, might chill. Don't know what I'm, don't know what I got planned. Um, but I'm going to talk about my trip. I actually went to the Canaries recently, um, which is uh, the Canary Islands, went to Tenerife. It's pretty interesting. It's the kind of place, um, oh dude, I watched this thing recently and she was, I think it was Love Island or something when this girl asked if Tenerife was part of England. <laughs> like, um, because like, yeah, she was confused about London and, and the UK and like, you know, what, what a country is. London is my city. No, sorry, London's my country, I think she said. Um, but no, Tenerife is definitely not part of England, although you go there and it fucking feels like it. You know, to these resorts and just tons of, you know, the low class, worst of the worst from England, looking around and I'm just like, ugh, I just despise them. And then the worst thing is, is you kind of look at yourself and you're like, oh, that's me too. <laughs> um, but Tenerife is an interesting place. It's actually, it's it's part of Spain, but it's in Af it's part of Africa, um, but it just stinks of England. So it's, um, and the UK, which is quite funny. Tons of people from Ireland there, Ireland, Ireland. I need to stop doing Irish impressions, otherwise I'm gonna get in trouble. But it was a good trip, it was quite nice. Went to uh, Santa Cruz, that's in the north of Tenerife, and then went down to uh, Los Cristianos in the south and went on a boat and, and, and chilled a bit, so it was, it was quite nice. 
So another thing I've done in the islands when I was away is I actually took part in my first overboard chess tournament ever, uh, which was quite interesting. It's an experience which I've been holding off for a long time, uh, mostly because I've been focused on working, I moved country, and also you know, we've had a global pandemic, so there's lots of reasons why I haven't played um, in a chess tournament before. Um, but I went to one. I went to one Tenerife. Um, I think it's called the, uh, let me look, the San Cristobal La Laguna 2021. Um, sorry for butchering that. And I came 32nd place, which I was pretty happy with. One, um, what did I, what did I win? Four out of nine games. Uh, so not too bad. I got beaten by a 12 year old. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> this kid just comes in and just mauls me to death. Um, but I beat a 1700, which I'm pretty happy about considering I don't have a FIDE rating yet. Um, but it was quite an interesting experience um, actually playing a chess tournament over the board. Other than that, I spent the week going to some restaurants, um, chilling at some beaches and overall just relaxing. Um, one thing which I would say is be careful with the restaurants if you go to Tenerife. Lots of them like very high rating on, on Google, extremely high rating. And you go there and let's just say it doesn't live up to expectations. Yeah, that's the, the restaurant scene, that's the chess scene, and Tenerife is quite fun. I might document my my journeys uh, in the future, my travels, on YouTube. So you might be seeing me on YouTube shooting some videos there um, in the future. And in other news, I have quite an interesting story to share with all of you. Um, and maybe some of you find this interesting, maybe some of you won't, um, but I thought I'd inject some history um, and some world knowledge into this show. Uh, so I've been writing this book. Um, I don't want to reveal too much about it, but it's all this sci-fi futuristic universe um, that's quite exciting, good way for me to express myself. Um, and during my travels in Tenerife, I sort of took off some time from work um, and sort of really un unlocked my creativity again, which is, which is great. And I think partly that's the reason why I'm starting this show. I feel sort of way more sort of inclined to really create some content, which is great fun. So I've been writing my book um, and I've been doing some research um, into topics which sort of relate to sci-fi, um, which can sort of help me. And one of the things in sci-fi you see in Fallout 3, I don't know if any of you play the Fallout series, um, or many sci-fis is for the fact that there's going to be nuclear technology, nuclear bombs and uh, nuclear power and stuff like that. So I've done some reading on the atomic bomb. And let me tell you, it's incredibly interesting. And some reading, I found some sort of hilarious, um, but very disturbing history in relation uh, to the United States. So I thought I'd share that with you on the show, uh, see if you find it interesting. If you don't, fair enough. Or if you do, maybe it's going to be good for you to do some reading about it as well. There's some killer YouTube videos, so I highly recommend checking it out. So the story starts basically after um, World War II, where the US was sort of dealing and the world with the fact that we have atomic bombs. So basically they started testing lots of these atomic bombs in Nevada, and if you look in, like I've done some research, boy, boy, have I done some research on Area 51. So it's very interesting. I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. Maybe we'll get into that in the future. But one thing which we were doing in sort of the Area 51 area, Area 51 area, is bombing. And they were using some incredible nuclear bombs. I think they shot one, but it was like, it's meant to be nine megatons, but it ended up being 15. Um, and it was so huge that they almost um, like killed half of America of radioactivity. Uh, so the United States was like, ah, uh, maybe we shouldn't be bombing the shit out of our own country. Um, like, maybe, that's, maybe that's a bad idea. So they were like, okay, well, well let's find somewhere else to, to bomb the shit out of. 
So the president asked some of the top generals and they got out this map and they literally looked for somewhere on earth where they could just stop shooting nuclear bombs. And it's funny, people don't realize that like the amount of nuclear bombs which have been used on planet earth, there's been plenty of testing by the Soviet Union and the United States for sort of the two big superpowers in the Cold War. Um, and the United States basically looked on a map and they found these islands way out in the ocean near the Philippines or Australia, Japan, called the Marshall Islands. And they were like, okay, well, let's go there. Let's check it out. So they went there and luckily the local population or the indigenous people were all Christian. And they used that as a big, big reason uh, to leverage the local population to leave. So this general guy and he shows up and he says, oh, I'm, you know, I'm here by, by America, um, by Jesus Christ to come in and free you from these horrible islands and we're going to take them over and you're here blessed by the atomic bomb uh, you know, in, in uh, to take down the Soviet Union. So they came in and they convinced the local population that they were doing a great thing by leaving the islands um, in, and giving them to the United States so the United States could test nuclear bombs on the islands, which is just crazy. So then they take all the local indigenous people, they film a propaganda documentary on the indigenous people to make out that it was a moral thing, uh, which it wasn't. And they took all the local people and they just threw them on other islands. Like just random other islands, lots of them starved. Um, and also lots of them got radiated and bombed um, in, in the nuclear testing that was to follow. But anyways, the United States set up there, they had like 40,000 troops or something. And they just started setting off some of the craziest nuclear bombs that you can ever imagine just out in the ocean. They used them underneath the water. Um, they used them on ships, they even blew up some of the Marshall Islands. Um, so if you've seen footage of nuclear bombs on YouTube, and I'll put some links somewhere where you can just Google it, it's absolutely insane, man. These bombs are just off the limit scary. Um, and the crazy thing is the United States was very proud of this. They filmed lots of this and they put it out there in the media because they wanted to, they wanted to show the power of the United States against the Soviet Union. And um, a lot of this was picked up in, in media. So if you look at lots of the music that was made in that, in that age um, and lots of the culture sort of started using the atomic bomb um, in our language. You know, we say stuff like, hey, you're the bomb um, and stuff. Lots of that originated from this bombing in the Marshall Islands. And one of the Marshall Islands, which is really fascinating, is called the Bikini Atoll. And the atoll is basically just like a bunch of islands connected by sand um, and uh, bikini um, means coconut place so there's coconuts on the islands um, and they had like a big lagoon in the center and they used that to uh, sort of their main station for lots of operations out there and what's crazy is that this guy was designing women's swimwear um, and he actually named his swimwear after the bikini atoll uh, and called it the bikini so lots of women were wearing bikinis in the united states but was quite shocking because it, it showed quite a lot of skin and the controversy was even higher because it was named after the islands which were dropping atomic, atomic bombs. So in a weird way, the, the actions of um, America and the atomic bomb created the bikini, which is really funny. It's named after the island. And then you keep doing reading and it's crazy what they're doing out there. They have this guy, um, I think he's called Admiral Blakely or something, um, that had like they have this up and atom bar out there where they were sort of dancing and celebrating. They had lots of women uh, sort of dressed to the nines, um, celebrating, drinking. They had these big cakes that were in the shape of atomic bombs. And um, they were just obsessed with the power of a bomb. And even this Admiral Blakely, uh, Blandy, sorry, 
had to come out to the US public and make a speech, uh, this very famous speech called I am not an atomic playboy, where he had to justify to the United States um, and the population and the whole world ultimately that the atomic bomb was a good thing and that they weren't doing something incredibly evil. So I'm gonna play that clip now, uh, take a listen. The bomb will not start a chain reaction in the water, converting it all to gas and letting all the ships on all the oceans drop down to the bottom. It will not blow out the bottom of the sea and let all the water run down the hole. It will not destroy gravity. I am not an atomic playboy, as one of my critics labeled me, exploding these bombs to satisfy my personal whim. So it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Uh, this is all true. And it's a lot, a lot of interesting stuff to read about if you want to take a deep dive. What I find so fascinating on top of all of this is that the bikini bottom uh, with SpongeBob SquarePants is actually also based uh, off this whole bikini atoll controversy and the nuclear bombs. If you watch SpongeBob, if you remember back to SpongeBob, there's the character Plankton, which is obsessed with the nuclear bomb uh, and lots of crazy stuff in the show. They even show footage of nuclear bombs going off from a bikini atoll within SpongeBob. And that's why it's ultimately called Bikini Bottom because it's based uh, off this piece of history. It's a really interesting piece of history. Some great YouTube videos, I highly recommend watching it, um, and I know it's inspired me in my science fiction writings. F is for friends who do stuff together. U is for you and me. N is for anywhere and anytime at all. Down here in the deep blue sea. F is for fire that burns down the whole town. Use for uranium bombs. N is for no survivors when you're- those things aren't what fun is all about. Some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I am willing to make, said Lord Farquaad in Shrek. Shrek is a great movie, very underrated, actually. I, I rewatched it recently with my girlfriend, and uh, it is a very, very fun movie for all ages. Although when I was a kid, I didn't quite understand why he was called Lord Farquaad. Now I'm understanding it a little bit more. But it's... Um, it is a very funny quote, but it is also very sick because those sort of quotes are based off reality, uh, something that has echoed with many dictators uh, for our history. Something that Elon Musk said recently, um, going to have some quotes now, the most entertaining outcome is the most likely, um, which I think is very true. I think there's lots of very sick and entertaining things for our history, uh, many weird situations when reality is just crazy. You know, I t I've told lots of people the, the story about Bikini Atoll um, recently in the last week, and, and just people just don't believe it because it is very crazy. Um, another thing, I've got another quote here from Charlie Chaplin, life is a tragedy when seen in close up, but a comedy in the long shot. So so when you extract, um, you know, the, the archetype of reality, it does have an irony to it. Um, and me starting a podcast, um, a bit of a comedy podcast on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 does have a bit of a weird irony to it. Um, and I think we're seeing irony all over the place now, some more irony. I've um, been reading recently in the news um, about the United States involvement in Afghanistan, um, the war on terror as we mark the 20th anniversary, the actions of Joe Biden, um, and also Donald Trump taking the United States out of, um, out of Afghanistan. And we're seeing lots of echoes back to Vietnam, um, lots of the same things repeating. And essentially the United States has spent 2.4 trillion in Afghanistan and pretty much done nothing but replace the Taliban with the Taliban um, and just created war and misery for everyone. 
and Julia Sarge said something really interesting in 2011 um, that, I, that I want to touch upon um, in relation to the war on terror in Afghanistan. And he said the goal is to use Afghanistan to wash money out of tax bases of the United States and Europe through Afghanistan and back into the hands of a transnational security elite. The goal is an endless war, not a successful war. So what he's talking about there is essentially, you know, you take um, you take the war in Afghanistan, you take many um, many tragedies like this, and essentially what was happening is that they're taking taxpayers' money, washing it through the military-industrial complex, and then putting it in private pockets. So I think we're seeing that, you know, I think that summarizes Afghanistan quite well. Um, it is sick, um, but it has a certain irony to it and a certain sadness that we're just repeating mistakes of the past. And I would like to remind you that this episode of The String Dog Show is sponsored by China. We're a hu uh, constitutional republic of China. It's one of the best places on earth. We have some fantastic human rights, some fantastic freedom of speech, some fantastic jobs, suicide rates, and a lovely new iPhone. So uh, yeah, yeah, come and check it out. We got an iPhone for you. Got some brilliant stuff. Uh, yeah, and we'll send you to North Korea as well. Have a great day. <laughs> Barack Obama and George Bush taught us that being an asshole politician takes a lot of skill. Donald Trump and Joe Biden taught us that it takes no skill at all. If Bikini Atoll is possible, then anything is. I spoke to a friend actually uh, about four months ago and he said to me, I asked him like, how did you get into your like position in your life? Like you're in this stage in your life, you got this stage in your career, like how did you end up here? And he said to me, well, about two, three years ago, I was just flat on my ass, smoking weed, drinking, and I was just completely screwed up, and I just I just didn't have any direction at all. And he was watching television, and he saw Donald Trump, and he was making some speech or something, and this is when Donald Trump was running for his presidency, and it screwed up his, like, my, my friend saw this happening, and it screwed up his perception on life so much but it just broke all the boundaries that he thought existed. He saw a reality TV host, some guy from The Apprentice, running for the presidency, and he was actually doing well. My friend, um, not morally, not politically, not in any sense whatsoever, he just got inspired by Trump because he saw something crazy happening that he just wasn't used to witnessing in reality. Lots of lies he told himself, lots of ways he thought reality was putting him in a box, he realized it was actually just his imagination. And seeing a complete lunatic like Donald Trump running for president just broke broke that barrier for him and just realized that if Donald Trump can become president, then I can become whatever the hell I want to be. And for me, like reading this history about Bikini Atoll can be incredibly depressing, hearing that like, you know, Russia and America, uh, the United States essentially pointed nuclear bombs at each other for 50 years and, and all this crazy history about nuclear testing um, and how much fun people had testing nuclear bombs as well. And you think about just how damn evil that is. And you think if that's the capability of evil, and if that's how reality works, just imagine the capability for good. Imagine the capability in your own life of achieving what you want to achieve. Okay, and here I'd just like to, to wrap up the show by just saying thank you to everyone um, who is 
well, anyone really who's put up with me for this long and listened to the show, I have no idea who's going to be listening. I don't even know if I have an audience. might just be one or two people. Um, but I just want to say thank you for listening. It's very difficult creating a podcast. I've done different mediums before, but I've never tried the podcast medium. And I have to say it's incredibly difficult. I thought it was going to be way easier than this. It's been tough. I feel that the thing that's so surprising is you listen to a podcast and you think it's so simple, simply because it's just people talking. But you forget that, you know, all the extra stuff such as facial expressions, body language, sort of all the visual aspects uh, to a show really kind of hold the show together. And when you remove that and you just have nothing but a voice, um, especially and you remove even a conversation, you just have one person talking, it becomes so difficult to actually keep people's attention um, and to make sense. Because in, at the end of the day, I'm just a guy with my iPhone 11, <laughs> like like talking in, in my apartment. So it's like, you know, to come up with something that makes sense has been pretty difficult, I, but I've really enjoyed um, the experience and I want to do it again. I've been listening to Andrew Kirby on YouTube. He has a really cool YouTube channel. Um, he's recently started again. I'll put a link to his channel if you want to check it out. And he posted this video recently. And also people have been, been reciting this on Instagram. I see it's been going a little bit viral. Uh, the concepts, apparently some stats have came out. But 90% of podcasters quit uh, before episode three. And then of the remaining 10%, 90% of the remaining 10% quit before episode 20. So it's something that lots of people quit. And I think the reason why people quit when it comes to podcasts or YouTube or any kind of self-expression um, is that they just don't have an audience at the beginning and they they just don't feel like they're getting anywhere. So in some sense, I don't really know what audience I'm going to have or like who I'm trying to reach out. I just want to create something that I enjoy um, and something that entertains me. I mean, hopefully there's someone out there who finds entertaining too. So if you're one of those people and you listen to this and you found entertaining or maybe you you know, you thought it was a good try, but there's some things you want to change or like you really want me to talk about one thing and, and you just uh, want to send it in, you can send me a message on Twitter. I have links to my Twitter, uh, many different ways uh, to contact me. Um, yeah, and it's just been fun. Even if this is just something for myself, I've really enjoyed the experience, learning how to sort of literate myself better um, and communicate and figure out sort of what I'm interested in, what I'm doing, um, and where I'm going. So it's like, um, if you want to join me on that journey, uh, you can tune on my next show. I actually have two guests planned. I have one friend who I've had, who I've known for quite a while, um, who's like um, this crazy conspiracy theorist. So I'd love to have him on. Um, he's one of the coolest guys I know. So we might have him on. And there's some other people that I've met recently, um, friends of friends, um, that I've invited onto the show. And I'm going to plan some episodes with them. So if you want to, if you want to hear that, or if you want to join the show yourself, or you know any ideas that you have. Uh, just message me and let me know. I like to end the show. It's, it's currently Wednesday. I started filming on Saturday, which actually just shows how difficult uh, and time-consuming this has been, but I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, just Wednesday, and, and sadly, uh, yesterday, on Tuesday, I, I had some really quite devastating news on Twitter, um, saying I really didn't expect um, a tweet from Conan O'Brien that's almost gathered a quarter of a million likes now, uh, 25,000 retweets. Um and it kind of shocks me, kind of put me just like, it just floored me. Um, relating to the death of uh, Norm MacDonald, uh, one of my favorite comedians, um, I generally have 
like a set of comedians that I listen to uh, on an occasional basis, especially when I'm feeling uh, low and I want sort of a, you know, I want to laugh, you know, I go into YouTube and I listen to some people. And Norm MacDonald was just one of those people that never ceased to amuse me and sort of just make the world a better place. So it's really, really sad to hear Norm passed away. Um, he was in, I think he's 61 years old, um, which is still like quite young relatively. And I know like 61 is like still old, but like um, it, it was still surprising to me. Um, he died after a, a long 10 year battle with cancer. Uh, Conan O'Brien said on Twitter, I'm absolutely devastated about Norm MacDonald. Norm had the most unique comedic voice I've ever encountered. And he was so relentlessly and uncompromisingly funny. I will never laugh that hard again. I'm so sad for all of us today. I listened to a lot of Norm MacDonald on the Conan O'Brien show. Um, and I think he was one of the best guests. Um, like he's just an absolutely hilarious guy. I've watched uh, and listened to a lot of Norm. Um, and it was just really shocking to hear he'd, he'd passed. And I thought I'd include it in this episode. Um, Norm made lots of jokes about 9-11, lots of inappropriate jokes that lots of people found quite offensive. Um, but I, I think Norm just done his absolute best for throughout his life just to make the world a, a lighter place and to take away uh, pain where he could. And he definitely took away my pain um, in many situations and um, I'm going to miss Norm a lot. So I'd like to end the show um, with a joke by Norm MacDonald. He's very deadpan. He's a very old man. Lots of his jokes are always anti-jokes. Um, I definitely recommend listening and watching Norm. Uh, but I'm going to end with, with a funny joke from Norm um, that, that, always, that amused me when I heard it. So uh, we're going to end the show about one. Thanks for listening, and I will see you on the next one. Now, not all your material comes uh, from, the, from the news. Is that right? You know, no, you, some you, of my material comes, my strongest material comes from real life. Real life? Like, for instance, today I was driving in a, a car. Mm -hmm. You were kind enough to bring a car to bring this old chunk of coal here to the studio. <laughs> we, send, we send cars for our guests, yes. Yeah, so I got in it, and that's, I, you know, I get material that way, so my driver... What do you mean? What, what, how do you get material that way? You get in the car, and what happens? Uh, my driver tells me a joke. <laughs> <laughs> the driver we sent to pick you up told you a joke. Yeah. And you're going to tell it now on the show. Yeah, that's how I get a lot of my material. <laughs> okay. Why don't we just have him on next time? Uh, that guy. You, yeah, that guy. No, wait till you hear me do it. <laughs> so the guy, he goes, uh, uh -huh. he, I say, uh, I'll be the guy. Okay. Uh, a moth. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office. A moth goes into a podiatrist's office. Right. You are correct. <laughs> a moth goes into a podiatrist's office, mm -hmm. and uh, the podiatrist's office says, what's the problem? And the moth says, what's the problem? Where do I begin, man? He goes, I go to work for uh, Gregory Olinovich, and uh, all day long I work. Honestly, Doc, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even know if Gregory Olinovich knows. He only knows that he has power over me, and that seems to bring him happiness. But I don't know. I wake up in a malaise, and I, I walk here and there. And the podiatrist says, oh, yeah? And the moth goes, yes. And he goes, uh, at night, I, I sometimes wake up, and I turn to some old lady in my bed that's on my arm. A lady that I once loved, Doc. 
I don't know where to turn to. My youngest, Alexandria. <laughs> she, she fell in the, in, the, in the cold of last year. <laughs> the cold took her down as it did many of us. <laughs> and my other boy. <laughs> and this is the hardest pill to swallow, Doc. My other boy, Gregario. Ivina Lidovich. I no longer love him. As much as it pains me to say, when I look in his eyes, all I see is the same cowardice that I, that I catch when I take a glimpse of my own face in the mirror. If only the cowardice was stronger, then perhaps... Perhaps I could bring myself to reach over to that cocked and loaded gun that lays on the bedside behind me. And in this hellish facade once How and long for a all, drive was this? <laughs> do you live in the valley? Where do you live? Please, sorry. He says, Doc. Sometimes I feel like a spider, even though I'm a moth just barely hanging on to my web with an everlasting fire underneath me, I'm not feeling good. And so the, moss, the, the doctor says, Moth, man, you're troubled. But you should be seeing a psychiatrist. Why on earth did you come here? And then the moth said, because the light was on. My congratulations to anyone who stuck it through to the end. <laughs> so, so Norm. What? <laughs> We're pretty much out of time. I. 